Hello and welcome to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skyler, Sig Daddy Sigman, and I'm riding solo this week. It'll be just me, Jeremy, got a new job, and so he's got a little bit more busy with it. Wasn't able to catch WrestleMania, the first ever WrestleMania, this week. Hopefully, he'll be able to come back next week on the podcast. We'll just have to see how his schedule works out. But it's the WrestleMania, the original, the first ever, the groundbreaker, WrestleMania number one, numero uno. But before I get things kicked off with the WrestleMania numero uno review, I'd like to let you know what's coming up on the show for Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'll have a couple more WrestleMania retro, retro WrestleMania reviews coming up here in the next few weeks. So for next week, we'll be doing WrestleMania number 10 and I actually have a crossover episode coming up with, uh, not a crossover, but I'm going to be a guest on their show and they're going to be a guest on my show. Uh, the Stranger Rings podcast will be joining me for a WrestleMania 21 review. Not sure when that's going to drop yet. I will keep you updated on uh, Facebook, Twitter, at Sig Daddy Wrestle. I'll also be joining the Stranger Rings podcast as they'll be looking back at WrestleMania 19. They'll be looking back at that. We're going to break down WrestleMania 19. Shout out to the Stranger Rings podcast. I appreciate for them. Uh, appreciate them having me on their show. But yeah, their episode for that will drop on March 31st. Make sure to follow the Stranger Rings podcast on Twitter at Stranger Rings 1. But yeah, looking forward to doing that episode on March 31st. It's going to be a super fun. WrestleMania 19 is one of those underrated WrestleManias that don't that does not get talked about enough. Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. Stone Cold's Last Ride, Stone Cold The Rock 3, Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan in a street fight, Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. Lots of great stuff on that WrestleMania 19. Looking forward to doing that here real soon. But it's time to get down to business. It's time to look back at the granddaddy of them all. Well, the beginning of the granddaddy of them all. WrestleMania number one. It wasn't called WrestleMania number one, but I'm just calling it that. Just to, for the numerical purposes. All right. It took place on it took place on March 31st, 1985 in Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. Uh, the attendance for it, 19,121. And watching the presentation of this, I got to say this. Boy, have we come a long way in technology in the last 35 years. Uh, we watched the opening video. It's just showing each of the matchups for the night and the celebrity guest coming up on the show, including Liberace, Billy Martin, and Muhammad Ali. And at this point, wrestling was getting mainstream appeal. Uh, WWF, at, the, at that point, was working with the uh, music industry, MTV. They actually broadcasted a live wrestling show Back in 1984, and uh, it was the crossover, uh, Lopper, Cindy Lopper, and her Girls Just Want to Have Fun mega hit music video 
had Captain Lou Albano on there. So that was kind of the wrestling, the rock and wrestling connection as it was. But uh, on this WrestleMania broadcast, it was Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura with Howard Finkel doing the ring announcing on this special MSG labeled uh, mic. And that's just, that's the classic thing. You saw that during the Edge and Randy Orton match when they played Howard Finkel's uh, announcements of Edge and Orton over the uh, speakers for the horribly titled Greatest Wrestling Match Ever. But it's always great hearing Fink's voice. Boy, do we miss him. Mean Gene as well. I miss him as well. He does the national anthem, and it's quite possibly the fastest national anthem in history. It is very, very, very quick. And then also we have Lord Alfred Hayes uh, previewing the upcoming matches. Uh, he gets to do, he sends it back actually at the beginning of the show with a pre-recorded interview with Tito Santana, and Tito says nobody's going to stop him from his goals, even the executioner. And he's going to go after the leg that was hurt by Greg the Hammer Valentine. That's what the Executioner says. Uh, the Greg the Hammer Valentine was the Intercontinental Champion at this point. Uh, Tito Santana against the Executioner. And the guy in the mask was Nature Boy Buddy Rose. He, had, he worked with Roddy Piper out in the West Coast in the Portland Territory, the Portland, Oregon Territory in the West Coast. I've been reading Rowdy Roddy Piper's book, uh, written finished by his... Uh, kids uh ariel teal tombs and colt baird tombs roddy didn't get to finish it so they finished it for him it's a fantastic read i haven't finished it yet but i'm over 200 pages in and it's a fantastic read but in this match it's kind of funny to see but the executioner is listed from parts unknown and weight unknown we get that with a couple of people during this pay-per-view uh, during this uh, WrestleMania, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of the sign of the times back in the 1985. And it just reminds me a little bit, just came into my head. But Orange Cassidy, who doesn't have a location where he's from, nor does he have a weight. He's from wherever, weighing whatever. But the heel in this one, Nature Boy Buddy Rose, he doesn't have a weight, nor does he have a location. Well, his birthplace or anywhere where he's from. But this is a nice little match. Not a bad opener. Goes about 4 minutes and 50 seconds uh, late in the match. There's a backdrop by the executioner. Tito almost fell on his dang head. There was It was a scary point in this match. Tito gets backdropped, and it was a delayed backdrop because Tito literally was probably inches from hitting his head on the on the mat, like landing on his head. And then we get a body slam by Executioner. And then he heads up top. Santana then slams him off the top rope. Then Executioner gets a knee, his knees up on a running splash attempt by Santana. And then Executioner works the knee of Santana going after it, like he mentioned, pre-match. And he does that for a second. Then Santana kicks him over the top rope. Rose worked his knee throughout this match, this short four minutes 50 second match uh, Santana then kicks him over the top rope and out of the ring Santana then brings him back into the ring by slamming him hits the fly flying forearm then locks in the figure four leg lock on Santana the same move that Greg the Hammer Valentine uses and then Gre then the executioner taps out at four minutes and 50 seconds 
And it's kind of weird. At this point, No one, not many wrestlers had entrance music, if at all. But uh, Tito Santana wins. It's just kind of an awkward pause before the announcement was made of the winner. But I enjoyed this match. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But uh, I'm going to give it a C. Yeah, it wasn't bad. The crowd seemed to be really into it. And this was the beginnings of kind of the earlier stages of Hulkamania, because we were just about a year after, a little over a year after Hulk Hogan won the WWF title from the Iron Sheik. Then we get thrown backstage to Lord Alfred Hayes and King Kong Bundy with uh, Special Delivery Jones as well. Those two, they'll have their match coming up after this. Uh, Special Delivery Jones says this is the moment he's been waiting for. Today's the day we gonna get down. That's what he said. That was a horrible, imi- horrible imitation of Special Delivery Jones. But then Jimmy Hart with King Kong Bundy. Uh, he wants Special Delivery Jones to think about a five count. We didn't really do the five count during this, but this is a cool little thing. Yeah, King Kong Bundy would defeat his opponents. He wouldn't get the three count. He'd do the five count. And you know who actually you started using that later on? Big E. I hope he kind of brings it back. That'd be kind of cool thing for Big E to do. But then we get King Kong Bundy with the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, at ringside, taking on Special Delivery Jones. And this match lasts all of about 24 seconds. They say nine seconds on the broadcast. It's 24 seconds. But uh, Special Delivery runs off the ropes, bear hug by Bundy, and then he runs him back first into the turnbuckle. And, and then avalanche, avalanche splash in the corner. Big splash to a grounded Jones, and that gets the one, the two, and the three. And Jimmy Hart jumps into the arms of King Kong Bundy, and Bundy is huge. And uh, he's a giant, and he was a beast. It was a way to establish him as a monster. I'm going to give this match a C+. This was an effective squash, making Bundy look like an absolute monster. It would set up... For the next year's WrestleMania, where they had it in three different locations, they were in L.A. for the Steel Cage match. There was three different locations. One was L.A., one was Chicago. I can't remember the other one, but but the L.A. main event was Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy in a Steel Cage match for the WWF Championship. Then we get Matt Bourne with Mean Gene in the back, and this is an opportunity to beat one of the best wrestlers worldwide. And one quality that Ricky has. He's too nice. That's his weakness. And then Bourne says he's there to beat him up. And if you don't know, Matt Bourne was Doink the Clown. Was one of, was the first Doink the Clown, if I remember correctly. But uh, then we go to Steamboat, and he is absolutely jacked. I didn't. I, this is the most jacked I've seen Ricky Steamboat. He looks impressive. But uh, he says he's here to come. He's here to come. He's here to come. Oh my gosh. He's here. He has come here to develop a mean streak. Man, I could not talk there. Oh my goodness. And I just had a completely, uh, complete flub of words there. But you know what? You got to laugh at yourself sometimes. And I'm laughing at myself there. But as we head back to ringside, I noticed something with Jesse Ventura's uh, attire. He has a pink suit on, but he has a bedazzled chin. My goodness. A bedazzled chin. Have you ever seen somebody with a bedazzled chin? I don't think so. But we get Ricky Steamboat versus Matt Bourne. They go about 
4 minutes and 37 seconds. I thought this was a pretty entertaining match. At one point, Ricky Steamboat hits his uh, signature leap over into a knife-edge chop. The last portion of the match went like this. So Ricky Steamboat hits a back suplex, then Bourne hits a swinging neck breaker. Couple of knee drops by Steamboat, then Bourne misses a clothesline. Uh, leapfrog, double right hand to Bourne. Then Steamboat, Steamboat hits the high cross body off the top rope, his patented high cross body off the top rope. With Bourne halfway across the ring, he had to go pretty far to hit Bourne with this cross body. But he gets the 1-2-3 with that at 4 minutes and 37 seconds. I'm going to give this match a B-. This is the best match of the evening at this point. I was really impressed by Steamboat here. Uh, two years later, he'd put on one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time, arguably against Randy Macho Man Savage at WrestleMania 3. But we saw some of his signature stuff here that we would see later on. And he looked as good in ring in 2009, 24 years later, as he did here in 1985. Steamboat will forever be incredibly, incredibly underrated. He's had a great, he's had great matches. His uh, most notable matches are against Ric Flair. Back to Alfred Hayes, Lord Alfred Hayes in the back, uh, up, not in the back, but uh, on the ramp. Uh, he hypes up the upcoming match between David San Martino and Brutus, the uh, that's before the barber, but Brutus Beefcake. And uh, David says in the interview with Mean Gene, says his dad's behind him. He's going to be in for a big surprise. Talking about Beefcake. But Bruno, he threatens Johnny Valiant, who will be with Beefcake, with a fist. So he's going to threaten him with violence. And then we get Beefcake with Valiant. And Beefcake says he's going to stick his schnoz in anything he wants to. Actually, that's Valiant that says that. And there's just lots of yelling here. And uh, Valiant says he's not afraid of Bruno's threat at all. The, the, next, the following match, Brutus Beefcake with luscious Johnny Valiant taking on David San Martino, the son of the living legend, Bruno San Martino, the longest reigning WWF or WWF, WWWF, champion of all time, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to say. Had an incredibly long reign, eight years if I remember correct, with the title. Bruno gets a huge ovation coming out. He gets a giant ovation. And rightfully so, as he sold out the building so many times during his uh, reigns as champion. He had the title for over a decade because he had two separate reigns. And so, yeah. But we go to the match. And this match goes a little bit too long, in my opinion. It, it eventually ends in a double disqualification. The last portion of the match goes like, goes like this. Uh, Beefcake works him over in the corner, works uh, San Martino over in the corner. David shoots him over. Onto the opposite corner. Back body drop to Brutus. San Martino's fighting back from his knees. And then an uppercut by David. He's brawling like his dad uh, is known for. And a fist to Brutus. David in control now. Then a vertical suplex. Gets a near fall for San Martino. Then a Brutus headbutt to the midsection. Valiant body slams San Martino onto the floor. Then Bruno comes there, comes over there. And slams Valiant's head into the apron. Gets him into the ring, and this ends up being a big brawl 
back inside the ring, and it's just a complete melee. And then Bruno and David eventually clear the ring. The ref rings the bell, and it's over with a double DQ at 12 minutes and 43 seconds. Honestly, I know Bruno at this point was not really wanting to wrestle, but this would have been much better off as a tag team match, I thought. I thought it was. I thought it would have been. But uh, it was fine. The crowd got into it when Bruno got involved. They got really into it. But yeah, I thought this match, honestly, should have been a tag team match because I think it would have worked a little bit better. I didn't like they wasted 12 minutes and 43 seconds just to get to a double DQ finish. This is the longest match of the of the pay-per-view up at this point. The last one. The main event was the longest, but this was the second longest. I'm going to give this match a C. Then we get back to Lord Alfred Hayes. And he's talking about the first title match coming up. It's the IC champ, Greg the Hammer Valentine. He's going to show everyone why he's the greatest IC champ. The master of the figure four leg lock and why they call him the Hammer. And listen to this. This is what he says. He's gonna, that, He says he's going to show him why he's the greatest IC champ, master of the figure four leg lock, and why they call him the Hammer. It's because, and I quote Greg the Hammer Valentine here, he hits them and nails them harder than anybody else in professional wrestling. I was laughing my butt off at that line. That is hilarious. I hit him and I nail him harder than anybody else in professional wrestling. My goodness. But then we get Junkyard Dog saying this is the biggest opportunity of his life. And then we get the Intercontinental title match between Greg the Hammer Valentine with Jimmy Hart as his manager taking on the Junkyard Dog, JYD. Junkyard Dog gets the music here uh, he gets his entrance music yeah, at least it gets edited in i don't know if they actually did it there but uh you look at the icy title here and it's like a green icy title and it's really evolved so much over time if you think about it there's so many different iterations of the icy title you have the white strapped intercontinental championship the yellow strapped intercontinental championship the old black with the uh, kind of the world in in it uh for from the Attitude era into almost the later 2000s before they switched the title back to the white uh, strapped one Cody Rhodes did. And then we got the one we have now, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's kind of crazy to see the evolution of that since 1985. But this was a pretty solid match, I thought. Dave Meltzer didn't give it a star, good star rating. I thought this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed most of it. Uh, good si- good in-ring psychology by Valentine attacking the knee of Junkyard Dog. And Junkyard Dog does a good job of selling it. And we get this late in the match. Uh, Junkyard Dog is fighting back as he's hobbling into the corner. Hits him with the right hands. Hits Valentine with the right hands. Uh, headbutts to Valentine. Holds on to the hair of Valentine. Big headbutt. Flopped down by Valentine. Then heart on the apron. JYD then grabs the mouth of the south. Then Greg tries to hit JYD from behind. JYD moves. Greg knocks the heart off the apron. And then JYD continues with his uh, brawling rights and headbutts. 
then uh, uh, eye rake by Greg the Hammer Valentine. And he double legs JYD and rolls JYD up with both legs. Valentine using the ropes for leverage gets the win there. But, but, but Tito Santana, his enemy, his rival shows up afterward telling the official what happened. At, uh, Valentine cheated to win. And the ref rings the bell and starts counting out Valentine. He counts him out with the 10 count. And actually, JYD wins by, ten, by uh, count out, but does not win the title as the WWE has the rule that you cannot win the championship by count out or disqualification. I just thought this was this was good for what it was. I thought it was good, but the finish kind of took a bit away for me from me. For me, I, I enjoyed this for the most part up until the finish because the finish kind of was just kind of a, a flat finish, and we've had two non-finishes in a row on this card with the San Martino match going to a double DQ, and then this one going to a countout. Wasn't a big fan there, but I liked the selling by Junkyard Dog with the knee. I'm gonna give this match. A C plus. Then we head back to the back with Lord Alfred Hayes talking about the upcoming match for the Tag Team Championships. It's the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with Mean Gene. Uh, Blassie's predicting we will see new World Tag Team champs. And then Albano with his team, Mike Rotundo. And Barry Windham says we're going to do our best. And all the talk is done. That's what Rotundo and... Wyndham say as they head towards the ring and we got our second title match. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik t- with Glassy Freddy Blassie in their corner taking on Wyndham with uh, Wyndham and Rotunda who are the defending champions at that point. Back at the earlier match, I forgot to mention that Greg the Hammer Valentine was the defending IC champion. But uh, yeah, Wyndham and Rotundo here are the reigning champions. They're accompanied by Captain Lou Albano. And this match was all right. It was not the greatest, but it was all right. Um, Blasia and Albano at one point square up ringside. I liked that I saw a gut wrench suplex by Iron Sheik. I don't see a gut wrench suplex very often. I love to see it more. And I noticed this during the match. The Sheik and Volkov had so much heat because you see the Iron Sheik get on the Madison Square Garden mic and all you see coming into the ring is trash, 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 cups, everything's flying into the ring as he's saying, Russia, number one, Iran, number one, USA, ah, Gotta love it. The Iron Sheik is fantastic. If you don't follow the Iron Sheik on Twitter, go out of your way right now. Get on your cell phone. Make sure you follow the Iron Sheik's Twitter. It will make you laugh. It will, it will, it's guaranteed to make you laugh. It gives me, it always make, puts a grin on my face. If you're having a bad day, go look at the Iron Sheik's Twitter. I know it's not him running it, but still. You could just picture the Iron Sheik saying that kind of stuff, and it's really, really enjoyable. But 
Late in this match, I'm going to go back to the match. Got off on a little bit of a tangent there, I apologize. But back to the match, we got Albassi and Albano squaring up ringside. Uh, an abdominal stretch by the Iron Cheek. Rotundo hits, hits in a, a hip toss. He misses an elbow, then he tags Volkov, does Sheik. And he's too late, though, to stop Rotundo from tagging in. Wyndham, Wyndham gets a good hot tag here. Uh, strikes and a drop kick. Bulldog out of the corner by Wyndham. Sheik breaks up the pin. And then a drop kick by Rotundo knocks the Iron Cheek out of the ring, out of the ring. And this kind of brings up the finish, really. Uh, Volkov and Wyndham are continuing to fight, but Sheik clubs Wyndham from behind with Blassie's cane from the apron. Uh, Rotundo was distracted, but was distracting the official, and Ro- the official did not see it. And Sheik hit him in the back with the the the, the cane, Blassie's cane. And so Volkov then goes over and covers Wyndham and gets the one, two, three, and we have new tag team champions, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And I'm going to honestly give this match a C. I, I like the hot tag late by Wyndham. Looked really good, and I thought the finish was fine. And honestly, 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 we need to see some more of this in our professional wrestling. So typically we're... Lately, especially in AEW, not to pick on them. But somebody gets hit with a weapon shot or cheats. That's not the finish. We did see that in the Thunder Rosa match at one point. That Thunder Rosa-Britt Baker match, the first one. The second one I have not yet to watch, not yet watched, but that is supposedly fan-freaking-tastic. But we don't see that enough where the, the, the weapon shot doesn't end the match. We need to see that more because that's a big point in the match. Honestly, that's a big momentum shift in the match. It's a big opportunity for the heels to get heat if they win. And I know we do this. We save that the time to do that. There's a time and place to do the weapon shot and the kick out. But don't do it all the time. Because here it, it was effective. Because it got major heat on the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And the only time they should do it is in very, very special situations where the storyline is like completely on fire. But I'm going to give this match a C. I really enjoyed this match. And Volkov and Sheik for sure knew how to get heat back in the day. And then we get when we head backstage with the new champs. And Blassie is with the champs. Uh, Gene... Mean Gene there questions the way they got their victory. And Sheik says, we've come to America to prove we are the best and we proved it tonight. Then we got Lord Alfred Hayes previewing the Andre the Giant, Big John Stud, $15,000 body slam challenge where Andre the Giant, if the Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant wins, he wins 15 grand. But if he loses, he must retire. So... In the pre-match interview, Big John Stud is there. Says he's there to prove he's the only giant. And for fifteen thousand dollars in a haircut, Bobby the Brain Heenan says we're eliminating Andre the Giant from wrestling. Then we get our Andre the Giant Big John Stud match with Bobby the Brain Heenan in Big John Stud's corner. It's the fifteen thousand dollar body slam challenge. Stud wins. Andre retires. Andre wins. He wins fifteen grand. And for most of this, Andre just absolutely mauled Big John Stud. 
And apparently, back in the day, Big John Stud was absolutely terrified, terrified of Andre the Giant. And Andre the Giant wasn't the biggest fan of Big John Stud. And if you watched anything on Andre the Giant, if he doesn't like you, good luck in the ring because he is going to wreck you. And he did so for he did this for the most part in this match. And I at first I didn't really like this because it was an elongated squash, pretty much, which I I get. But I liked the in-ring psychology later on when Andre was attacking the upper body and uh, actually the lower body. He was attacking the lower body of Big John Stud with kicks and he was going with the, to the bear hug, attacking the back of Big John Stud so he couldn't lift Andre and then attacking the legs of Big John Stud so he couldn't, so he could lift him easier. And it played into the finish and uh, Andre kicked Big John, the stud, Big John Stud in the leg. He body slammed Stud and it was over at 5 minutes and 53 seconds. I'm going to give this match a B-. I was going to give it a C, but I liked that Andre attacked the midsection, the back of Big John Stud and legs to uh, weaken him for the finish. And uh, Andre, after the match, throws the money out, and then Heenan, there's, Heenan sneaks in there like a little weasel that he is and grabs the bag, runs away with his associate, Big John Stud, and then we head backstage for a an, an interview with Mean Gene and Andre, and Andre says he's not ready to retire, and he honestly didn't care about the money. Then we get our first of two after after the interview with Andre, we get our first of two rock and wrestling connection matches, and it's Lord Alfred Hayes introduces the uh, intros the interview, and then it's Gene with Wendy Richter and Cindy Lauper. And Lopper says she's learned her managerial skills from Captain Lou. And Richter says she didn't lose the belt to one person. It was because Moolah got involved in her match. And the champ right now is Leilani Kai. And then we got, then we head backstage with them as well. And uh, Moolah has these crazy glasses on. And Kai pretty much says she's going to leave the match as the victor. And it's the WWF Ladies Championship match. Leilani Kai defending their hurt championship against Whitney, Wendy Richter and not a huge fan of this match. There was a lot of repetitious offense in this match as well as stuff not hitting even at the finish. Uh, Kai, Leilani Kai literally hit like probably 20 snapmares in this match. I'm, I'm fibbing a little bit, but there was a lot of snapmares in this match by Leilani Kai. Did not really enjoy this match. The offense was ugly. The finish went like this. Uh, Mua, she grabs Richter by the hair. Ringside. Lopper breaks it up. Then there's an Irish whip by Kai. Boot to the sternum by Kai. Richter then answers with punches to the ribs of Kai. A whip by Wendy Richter. Richter catches her in a fireman's carry. That was the most impressive move of the match. Richter catching her in the fireman's carry. And does the opposite of an attitude adjustment. Instead, she goes, she flips her. She doesn't do the, she doesn't flip her over completely. She goes the other way and drops her on her back. And drops her back first instead of, uh, not back first, but doesn't roll her through. She just throws her to the mat pretty much to the left instead of the right. 
But that was the most impressive move of the match. And then after that, Richter sends Kai in to the corner. Uh, boot by Kai knocks Richter down. Boots by Leilani Kai. And then a backbreaker by her. Scoop slam. Another follows it up with a scoop slam. Then Kai heads up top. Cross body by Kai. Then Richter with an incredibly ugly roll through. She did her momentum. She didn't get enough momentum carried over to roll through and pin, uh, make the pin look good. And that's the one, two, three. And Richter is your new ladies champion. I'm going to give this match a D. Not very fun to watch. There's a lot of repetition here. And the offense, for the most part, was uh, kind of ugly. But still, nice little thing. Cindy Lauper gets involved. And they dance. Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter dance in the ring to celebrate the title win. And then we get the post-match interview with Mean Gene with Richter. And then afterwards, we get introduced to our celebrity guest at WrestleMania. And the Finkel introduces the ring announcer for this upcoming main event. It's the former manager of the New York Yankees, legendary manager, Billy Martin. The guest timekeeper is Liberace out there with the Rockets. They do the can-can in the ring. And then we get Muhammad Ali introduced, the greatest. Introduced as the guest enforcer. Pat Patterson is the official for this one. And then we get a cool entrance here. So it, it just gave us hints of stuff we'll, we'd see in the future with these big performances for the entrances. We see the Rev Theory entrance for Randy Orton at WrestleMania 30. We see the Triple H Motorhead entrance at WrestleMania 21. We see the choir for John Cena at WrestleMania 27. This was just a precursor to that. And we get Piper getting played in with bagpipes and... Bagpipe, bagpipes and a drum line. It's him, Cowboy Bob, and Paul Orndorff. Uh, Cowboy Bob is the manager and also the father of one of the men I just mentioned, Randy Orton. And the main event here, Paul Orndorff and Rowdy Roddy Piper with Cowboy Bob Orton taking on Hulk Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snuka in their corner. And... Early on in this match, Piper and uh, Mr. T wrestled, and Piper was getting the best of them as they were going amateur, and Piper was just owning them. He mentions this in his uh, in the book. Uh, it's mentioned in the book, Rowdy, the Rowdy Piper story, that they wanted to go amateur at first, that uh, Piper was going to go amateur at first. That was the only way to do it. And uh, Piper, the initial pitch to this match, hear me out. The initial pitch Piper said was this, that he gets pinned. He's in the midst of a program with the man at this point in WWE, Hulk Hogan. He realized that if he gets pinned here, he loses all credibility and his program with Hogan is done and his uh, time as a main eventer is completely over. Rowdy... Piper had the awareness there to know if he doesn't, if he gets pinned here, he has no chance of main eventing ever again. He's losing all credibility. He's just, he just loses all of his credibility here. But I thought this was a pretty entertaining match. Not the greatest by any means wrestling wise. The show as a whole wasn't the greatest wrestling wise as we are in the 1985, 1985. But that's the way some people love their wrestling back in the day. It's just not my taste. 
and that, and I'm not from that era, so I don't completely understand. But I really, I enjoyed this match for what it was. It was entertaining. Crowd really got into it. Uh, there was a multiple melees at one point uh, late in the match. There was a tur- turning point of this match actually was Hogan and Piper trading punches. There's a big woo, a big boot after an Irish whip to Piper. Uh, it sends Piper over the top rope. Orndorff then nails Hogan with a clothesline, knocks Hogan out of the ring. Then Piper sneaks in a chair shot to Hogan's back. Hogan back in the ring. And a few moments later, a double atomic drop to Hogan by Piper and Orndorff. Orndorff at this point is dominating Hogan. Knee drop to the back of the head. Orndorff suplexes Hogan. Tag back to Piper. Let's skip a little bit. We go down towards the end. Uh, Piper's in with uh, Mr. T. It's a front face lock on him. Uh, Hogan then tags in, laying in the rights. Noggin knocker to Orndorff and Piper. Back suplex by Orndorff to Hogan. Piper then distracts the official. Cowboy Bob gets in the ring. Headbutt to Orton by Snuka. Orton comes right back in. Goes on the top rope. Orndorff has Hogan in a full Nelson cast to Orndorff. Uh, Bob Orton had an injured arm, but it was apparently recovered at that point anyway. But he's using it to cheat. But he ends up hitting his uh, comrade Orndorff with the cast after he dove off the top rope. And Hogan, he just goes to cover and they get the win. Him and Mr. T get the win. They close out WrestleMania as the winners. Hogan at this point is in his just past his first year as a WWF champion. He ends up having a four-year reign with the title before he loses it to Andre the Giant in Indianapolis. And Andre the Giant would relinquish that, and Macho Man Randy Savage would win it at WrestleMania 4. But that's beside the point. After the match, Piper... Takes out Pat Patterson, leaves in disgust, and uh, Orndorff ends up waking up distraught because he's in the ring by himself with Hogan, Mr. T, and Snuka. And uh, at this, like I said, Hogan at this point been champ for a year. He's the guy. He is the guy. Hulkamania is running wild. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, all that good stuff. Afterward, we go backstage with Hogan. T said it was rough out there. Hogan then knew what was inside of, of Mr. T the whole entire time. And uh, we reigned supreme. And uh, Snuka said afterward, most important thing was they came out victorious. And Monsoon and Gorilla thank everyone to close out the broadcast. And I'm going to give it a C plus. It was entertaining for what it was. And just there was a lot of stuff going on there i said it was entertaining but there was a lot of stuff going on you kind of get discombobulated at certain points during this match but it was still fun i'm gonna give it a c plus and also i gotta tell you this that shirt piper wore with the panther on it and a hot rod on the back i want that and i know where it's at it's on prowrestlingtees.com i am definitely gonna get that at some point or another that little stimmy hit the stimmy might use some of my stimmy on that Rowdy Roddy Piper t-shirt. Uh, hopefully I'll get that in the future. I'll, get, I'll post it on my uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram if uh, if I end up getting it, which I should. But uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated on there. Uh, Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle and Facebook and Twitter, SigDaddyWrestle. So be on the lookout.
Might be posting a Roddy Piper shirt sometime here in the future. But overall, WrestleMania as a whole is going to get a C+. I'm going to give it a C+. I'll say this. The first incarnation of WrestleMania does not age well. But it did serve as a precursor to what we see today. It's just our expectations with WrestleMania is this huge, big extravaganza. At that point in time, it was a huge, big extravaganza. The presentation wasn't the greatest at that point, but it was probably the best they could do at the moment. Because this was a brand new idea, and we didn't know if this thing was going to work or not, but it did end up working. And uh, I'm going to give it a C+. Enjoyable show. Doesn't age well, though, but still some fun matches on it. Um, it worked out for Vince McMahon, that big gamble. But uh, the mat- the main event tag match was uh, good for the spectacle. It was not my cup of tea. Body Slam Challenge, also pretty enjoyable, along with the IC title match and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat match with Matt Bourne. I thought uh, that match was the best match of the night. If you want to see earlier Ricky Steamboat, boy is he jacked in this, on this show. He is absolutely jacked. And I thought the IC title match, like I said earlier, was fun despite the finish. And I forgot to do this actually, but last time I said I was going to, we were going to go over star ratings of Dave Meltzer's star ratings for the uh, WrestleMania, the previous WrestleMania we did, which was WrestleMania 24. And we didn't go over the star ratings for that. I completely forgot it by the end. I was like, after, I'm like, dang it, I forgot about it. But I'll go over go over them here. Dave Meltzer's star ratings from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, Tito Santana, the executioner, gets two and a half. I agree with that somewhat. Uh, King Kong Bundy versus Special Delivery Jones. I'm not going to call that a dud. I just call it, I'd give it a star. Ricky Steamboat, Matt Bourne, three and a quarter. I agree. Uh, David San Martino, Brutus Beefcake, two stars. Eh, a little too much for me. Uh, Junkyard Dog, Greg Valentine with the count out, uh, half a star. I'd give it a little bit more. I'd give it at least a star and a half or two. I'd, I'd flip-flop those two matches. I would give the Beefcake match a two stars while I'd give San Martino's match a half a star. Uh, Volkoff and Sheik versus Wyndham and Rotundo. Uh, later on known as IRS, one star. Eh, don't agree with it necessarily. It wasn't the greatest. I'd give it about two stars. Andre the Giant, Big John Stud, three stars. I'm thinking about two and a half. Richter versus Leilani Kai, half a star. Not half a star, uh, negative two stars. Kind of agree with it. And then Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, taking on Orndorff and Rowdy Roddy Piper. No star rating for that one, but I'd say I'd give it about two and a half stars for the main event of WrestleMania, but... Yep, that's it. That's the WrestleMania, the first ever WrestleMania. That's my review of it, my thoughts. Uh, If you want to, let me know your thoughts on WrestleMania, the first ever WrestleMania. Make sure to hit me up on Twitter, at SigDaddyWrestle. And uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming up next week. It'll be WrestleMania number 10. We're going to be looking back at WrestleMania number 10. It'll be HBK versus Rezo Ramon in a ladder match along with one of the greatest opening matches you'll ever see on a pay-per-view in a WrestleMania. Any match, any card, 
Owen Hart versus Bret the Hitman Hart opening up WrestleMania number 10 also on the card. Lex Luger taking on Yokozuna for the WWF Championship and Bret Hart taking on Yokozuna in the main event for the WWF Championship. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. If you like this episode and want to hear other episodes, make sure to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would be so kind to leave me a five-star review if you really like the show. Until next time, this is Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund saying thank you for listening and so long, everybody.